0: this morning is humility would you say the word humility Humility. you might say that's a simple title for the message and I'd like to say I came up with it myself (laughs) humility (laughs) now let me start off on a little bit of a lighter note for a moment I heard about a church member that was recognized, listen to this, for being the humblest man in the church. One Sunday, they even gave him a badge, a little lapel pin to wear because of that. And and then the next Sunday, when he wore that badge, they stripped it from him because he had demonstrated pride. Sometimes, uh, when we think we're humble, then perhaps we're not, but that's just not a lighter note. We're talking about humility this morning, and Lord, I pray that your word would really come through. There's no doubt God's word has much to say about this grace of humility. We open our hearts for you to speak to us. We don't only want to hear the word, we want to be doers of your word. And so work by your spirit here that we walk out of here more like the kingdom of God, more like Jesus in the way we walked in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's start off by, you can turn so long to Philippians 2, verse 5 to 11. We'll get there in a moment. Let's start off by defining humility. I'd like to suggest that humility is not really the easiest thing to define, but here's a couple of phrases that help to define humility. Not being proud or self-important, not being arrogant or assertive, lowliness of mind. That's very, very biblical when it comes to defining humility, lowliness of mind. And I like this, a spirit of respect, a spirit of submission. Another description which comes through scripture is that it is not thinking of yourself more highly than you ought, but having sober judgment. That's what humility is all about. Now please look in your Bibles at Philippians chapter two, verse five to 11. Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, and these couple of verses speak quite profoundly into the area of humility And especially the humility of Jesus. Philippians 2, verse 5 to 11, it says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Have you ever done that? Made yourself of no reputation. Made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Would you say those three words with me? He humbled himself. This is the Lord of all glory. This is the Lord of creation. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross of the cross. Therefore, I'd like to add in, because of that humility, therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father." I love that phrase, Jesus Christ is Lord. Come on, say it with me. Jesus Christ is Lord. Again, with a bit more passion. Jesus Christ is Lord. And I want to tell you this, and I want to say it loud and clear. There will come a day when every person ever born will have to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. There will come a day. Praise God, we declare that even now. We love to declare the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you on that same day, those who have denied Jesus will have to recognize that they have played the fool. And actually, this Jesus Christ of Nazareth is undeniably the Lord of glory and the King of all kings. Can we put our hands together? It'll be undeniable. But there will be people that have have to admit they fooled around. I believe those gathered here listening today are not fooling around, but you love declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, four points that I'd like to share with you based out of this passage and also some other scriptures that we'll refer to. Number one, there is no greater example of humility than Jesus Christ. I'm gonna spend a little bit more time on this point but won't you say this with me there is no greater example of humility than Jesus Christ the scripture tells us that Moses was the meekest man or the humblest man that ever lived but that was before Jesus came let me tell you Jesus humility was so exponentially indescribably higher more humble by far and away, than Moses that you can't even really compare the two. Jesus is the greatest example. You cannot point to a more astounding example of humility than Jesus. If I was to task you with this and I would say, come up with a whole bunch of names of people who down through the ages have displayed humility. I wonder what names you would come up with. Maybe if you look biblically, you would come up definitely with the name of Moses. I believe you'd come up with the name of Daniel. Another person who's an example of humility was John the Baptist, and he said, Jesus must increase and I must decrease. John the Baptist was humble. Mary was a humble servant of the Lord. Some more modern era examples could be George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln was a humble, devout, God-fearing man. Maybe some other examples, St. Francis of Assisi, Albert Schweitzer, Mother Teresa. Wasn't she a remarkable example of just humbling and serving her Lord and her Savior? William Carey, perhaps another example. But let me tell you, of all of these examples, no one can ever come close to the astonishing humility, the astounding humility of Jesus Christ. Not even close. Our example of Jesus is so remarkable that it blows your mind. And it says in Philippians 2, verse 7 and 8, it says, he, that's Jesus, made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man, he humbled himself. Now, when we talk about what Jesus did, I believe that we need to look at the Bible explaining this because when the Bible says that Jesus made himself of no reputation, it is important to distinguish, distinguish between personal equality with God and positional equality with God. You see, we need to know loud and clear, Jesus never stopped being God when he gave up his reputation and when he came to the earth. He never stopped being God. He merely gave up his position in heaven for a time in order that he could redeem mankind to himself. He didn't give up his person, but he gave up his position. Do you understand that? We need to understand that clearly because even when he was on earth he was god in the flesh the bible says him in says that in him dwelt the fullness of the godhead in bodily form so when jesus was on earth he was god but he had given up his position in heaven for a time not only his position but he gave up his reputation he emptied himself of his privileges He also gave up the glories of heaven. He gave up the comforts of heaven. He gave up the joys of heaven. And when I think of the extent to which Jesus emptied himself out, I think to myself, what a God. What an example of humility. And it shouldn't just stand here in the pages of Philippians 2. It should jump out at you, and you should realize, what a God. What a humble Savior. Incredible what he has done for us. Now, The book of Philippians was written, it's actually a letter, but we know it as a book. It was written to the church in Philippi. But let me tell you, it probably came as quite a culture shock to them. I really believe that it probably astounded them and even boggled their minds. And I use that word intentionally. Actually, it boggled their minds. Why do I say that? Because the example of Jesus' humility was so powerfully put forth in this passage of Scripture in Philippians 2, and that example of Jesus' humility was in stark contrast to the Roman government of the day. The Roman government of the day was so full of pride and arrogance, it was sickening. They looked nothing like the humility of of Jesus, the King of Kings. So it was in stark contrast. Let me tell you a few things about these Roman officials of that day and how they were characterized. They were super class conscious, feelings of superiority abounded everywhere. Snobbishness was the order of the day, the upper echelon stuff. Do you know that only property owners could have a say? in the business of governing, because if you weren't a property owner, you were scoffed on and looked down on and you had absolutely no say. You were just the if I can put it. That's what you were. Other aspects of that uh, the Roman officials were characterized by is, listen to this, they had their names inscribed at different places in the area. (laughs) There was social division The Roman officials loved being applauded by people. They were seeking praise, and this is the way they functioned and operated. Now, Hellerman, a theologian, writes the following. It's very interesting. He says, those who enjoyed positions of honor had an incessant desire to publicly proclaim their status in the form of inscriptions erected throughout the colony. This was more prevalent in and around Philippi than anywhere else in the Roman Empire. Now, do you see the relevance of this being written to the Philippians? There was such this massive superiority complex and social class issue, and that's why it astounded them when they read this, because they realized the example of Jesus was so dramatically different. Their Roman officials looked nothing like the humility of Jesus. They were arrogant and full of themselves. But here, the king of all kings sets this dramatically, radically different style, and it is a servant leadership style of humility. And what does the Bible say in Mark 10:23? It says, Whoever desires to become great among you, let him become your servant. Let me tell you, in Jesus' kingdom, things work differently. To the kingdoms of the world and so Jesus says in Matthew 11 verse 29 it's on your screen he says learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart what is Jesus like he's humble and as his followers you and I should be humble learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls now Jesus didn't say, learn from me because I've got the most incredible power of thinking. He didn't say, learn from me because I can do super miracles. He didn't say, learn from me because I can walk on water. He said, learn from me because I am gentle and humble. I wanna ask you today, sir, ma'am, are you learning from Christ? Because many times, we love the example of his, of his humility, we admire it, but we have to go beyond admiring Jesus' humility to follow in his humility. He said, learn from me for I'm gentle and humble. And so we need to see Jesus' example. We need to love Jesus' example. We need to learn from his example, but most importantly, we must follow his example. Won't you say to the person next to you, follow his example of humility. Number two, we need to see humility not as an optional extra, but as a requirement for Christian living. I honestly think that some people think that humility is not such an important thing. As long as they're saved and going to heaven and they try to be nice to other people, that's sufficient. Maybe you might feel humility is not important. Maybe you might feel, well, humility is not really an issue for my life. And maybe for church leaders and pastors and spiritual leaders, yeah, they need to work on humility, but it's not really for me. Let me tell you, that is simply not biblical, if you think that way, because humility is for every disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, how many of you say, I am a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ? Raise your hand, raise your hand. God's watching, okay, and we've got CCTV, everything, all sorted. Okay, so you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, therefore humility is for you. Some people think, well, when I become a life group leader, then I'll embrace it. No, just embrace it now, because Jesus says, learn from me. Embrace humility. This is what you need to be doing. It is for every disciple. There's a scripture in Micah 6, verse 6 to 8, and it says, says, Shall I come before him, that's the Lord, shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, 10,000 rivers of oil? Doesn't that sound extravagant? And then in verse 8 it says, but he has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly? to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Would you notice the word require? It's underlined there on your screen. The word require, and would you notice the word humbly? Let me tell you, I believe it is biblically accurate to say that our God calls for humility in our life. He actually requires it of us. And it says in Philippians 2 verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What mind? The mind of humility. And when it makes a statement like that, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, you know what it's saying? This is actually an instruction to followers of Jesus Christ. And so I'm trying to highlight for you a little bit more this morning the importance of this that we elevate this aspect of humility and we see that God is calling for it in our lives. You know, sometimes we think that God is maybe impressed by, or he's moved, shall I say, by an impressive offering. We think, well, maybe if we give an impressive offering, God will really be impressed. Or Maybe we think if we pray a whole bunch, God's gonna be impressed. Maybe you think, well, if I can just have a 21-day time of fasting, God's going to be really impressed with me, whereas simply he might be calling you to walk in humility. What does he require that you would walk in humility? They asked Augustine, he was one of the early theologians of the church, some referred to him as one of the fathers of the church, and they said to him, what is the first of the religious graces? So they're asking this learned man. Man who just spent his life in the word, they said, What is the first of the religious graces? And he said, You know what? It is humility. And they said, But what is the second of the religious graces? He said, Okay, well, that is humility. <laughs> and you can guess what the third one was. The third grace was also humility. Very interesting that he said that because if we are humble, We have all the graces. And as I read that statement, I thought to myself, I've never actually heard that before, but maybe if you are humble, then mercy is flowing in your life. Maybe if you are humble, then kindness is flowing in your life. Maybe if you are humble, then the love of God is flowing in your life. And so he was saying as a theologian that humility is one of the most important graces that we should seek in our lives Point number three, people who are humble, listen to this, will boast in the grace of God and in the cross, not in their righteousness. Now, please say that with me. People who are humble will boast in the grace of God and in the cross, not in their righteousness. The Apostle Paul was, I believe, somebody who had come to the end of himself and the end of his credentials. I wonder how many people here can relate to that. You know that there was a time when you were so full of yourself, but you've come to the end of yourself. You had a poster up in your bedroom, and it said, the toughest thing about being humble is when you're as beautiful and as good looking as I am. You know that poster on the back of your door? (laughs) And for some people, This is a really difficult thing to do, to come to the end of ourselves. But let me tell you, the Apostle Paul, he realized the only thing worth boasting about is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He had learned that you've got to celebrate the cross. You've got to boast in the cross. You've got to boast in the grace of God. That's what we need to boast in. And it says in Philippians 3, verse 3, it speaks very clearly into this. Here Paul is speaking and he says, rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. There might be some people sitting here today and you still have a tremendous amount of confidence in you being a self-made man. I want to tell you Paul came to the end of himself and he said, I've learned I rejoice in Jesus and I have no confidence in the flesh. That same chapter, Philippians 3, but verse 8, the last part, verse 9, also on your screen, it says, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. That phrase, be found in Him, is so powerful. I've been discovering in a new way over the last few years in my life the importance and the power of being in Christ. And Brother Peter Faurie is somebody that has helped me to discover that. So many places in the New Testament it speaks about being in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. It's almost a discovery, a jewel that you can discover in the Scriptures. Paul had to discover this, and he said, I don't want to be full of myself, but I've learned that it's so important to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, but that which which is from the law but that which is through faith in Christ Jesus. How many of you can declare I have righteousness through faith in Christ Jesus? Raise a hand if you agree with that one. And so let me tell you this. As you boast in the cross, and as you boast in God's grace, you are actually developing humility in your life because you are acknowledging the one who has met your deepest and most important need. And you are acknowledging, I couldn't help myself, but Christ Jesus has helped me. So this is one of the ways that you can cultivate humility in your life. Boast in the cross. Boast in the grace of God. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Don't boast about yourself, but boast about Jesus, and you will be cultivating humility. Now, let me give just a few little practical examples or suggestions of how you can cultivate humility. These are more practical. Here's one. Listen to others. Sometimes we need to listen more and hear what others are saying and don't always press your own opinion. That's a demonstration of humility. Another example is submit to authority. God says ultimately all authority has been set in place by him. Another one is serve others regularly. I wanna encourage you, you need to serve your family. You need to serve your children. You need to serve your spouse. There's some men sitting under the sound of my voice, you haven't made your wife a cup of coffee in three years. Okay, and just nudge your husband if that's him. No, 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 we don't wanna see that. I want to tell you, it's a shame. You should serve. You should serve your wife. You should serve your children. We should serve more regularly because it fosters humility within us. Another one is admit if you have made a mistake. Be quick to say sorry. Have you been in a discussion with somebody where you're chatting and he, and he says something and you actually realize this guy's, you know, the lift's not going to the top floor on this one. He's actually mistaken. And you point that out. And he will not say sorry. you will just say, <laughs> misunderstanding, man. Have another cup of coffee so you can hear what I'm saying. Some people are like that. Don't be like that. Be quick to say sorry. It's an indication of a humble heart. Another one, and this is huge. Be thankful. Please say that together with me. Be thankful. I believe that this could be one of the most powerful ways of developing humility in your life. By being thankful. Thanking God all the time. Let me tell you, thankful people, I believe, are humble people. There's so much that you can give thanks to God for. And ultimately, everything that you have is a gift from God. I love to thank the Lord. Sometimes at night when I get into bed, my not looking and I'm facing the other way. My little hand goes up and I just lift my hand to the Lord. (laughs) Just check she's not looking at me. No, she's not looking at me. I lift my hand. I say, thank you, Lord. This is my evening sacrifice. Thanks for this. Thanks for that. Thanks for the next thing. Okay. <laughs> I can go into bed. All right. Point number four. Are you still with me? Yes. Choosing to go with humility means choosing to flow with the grace of God. Very important. Because as we choose humility, we're choosing grace. We're choosing to flow with the grace of God. 1 Peter 5, verse 6 is a scripture which actually has to be referred to when you talk humility. It says, therefore, humble, and what's the next word? Yourselves, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Would you please say this out out, uh, out loud after me? Humility Humility is something that I do. Now, let's say that together. Humility is something that I do. I want to tell you that I have to choose humility. You have to choose humility. You have to humble yourself. Here's a prayer that you don't pray. God, would you please humble me? A hot tip for the day, don't pray that prayer. I would rather just humble myself. Anybody agree? And that's what the Bible says. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. I remember one time a a guy had loaned something from my parents, a motorbike, and eventually brought it back, and he was talking about his life, and he was saying he's praying that God will humble him. And you know what, that sounded so spiritual. And my dad said, listen, buddy, you just humble yourself. And he's like, (laughs) okay, I'll (laughs) humble myself. Now, something important around this scripture of humbling ourselves that he may exalt us in due time. Remember, there is our part. What is our part? Humbling. And there is God's part, which is exalting. So God says there's your part. You humble yourself, and I'll exalt. But what some people do is they get clever. They think, well, I'm going to do God's part. I'm going to do the exalting. And God says, well, then I'm going to do your part, the humbling. Let's not get it back to front. Let's do what God says and humble ourselves. And so as we do our part, the humbling, God says, I will exalt you. And you know what? He will exalt you. He'll take you places you've never dreamed of. He'll take you to uh, positions that you've never thought of in your company. God will do incredible things for humble people. Listen to the statement. It's on your screen. As we empty ourselves and seek humility, We create room to absorb the riches of Christ. Now, the last scripture that I want to share with you is James 4, verse 6. And this is what it says. But he gives more grace. I love that. Therefore, it says, God opposes. Please say the word, opposes. Opposes. He opposes the proud, but gives grace. He gives grace to the humble. Now I'd like to point out to you, notice that God isn't neutral towards proud people. He isn't passive towards proud people. God opposes the proud. I don't want to be opposed by God, not at all. Muhammad Ali is reported to have said, it's hard to be humble when you're as great as I am. I don't know if that worked out for him. God opposes arrogance. But as we walk in humility, God's grace is released in our lives. I want to say that again. As we walk in humility, grace is released in our lives. How many of you say, I want more of the grace of God in my life? Well, as you flow in humility, you're going to experience the flow of God's grace. And I believe he loves to cause that flow of grace He gives grace to the humble. He fills your sails with winds of grace so that you can move ahead. Now, I just want to give one illustration as I draw to a close. I recently had the privilege of doing an Orange River trip down the Orange River, four or five days. You're on your two-man canoe, which was myself and my eldest son. We actually had a jewel. Jewel is Greek for a really good time. So we had a jewel we got the two-man canoes, and we're paddling down the river over a couple of days, and then you camp next to the river. It was actually fantastic. I'm actually going to go in two years' time again with my youngest son. I can recommend it. But you know what? Here we are, and we got our life jackets on and helmets, and the rapids are coming and all sorts of things. And sometimes there's wide sections, and here you are paddling on these wide sections. But you know what? When a wind comes from the front, it is very hard to paddle. Even if the wind isn't all that severe, it's actually very hard. And here you are paddling, and you stop for a moment, and you look at the reeds next to you. Suddenly, it looks like they're moving in the wrong direction. You know what I mean? It looks like you're going backwards, and actually, you start going backwards. But then there's times when you get into the flow of the river, which is maybe God's grace. Instead of being opposed by the wind... You're getting to a place of the flow of the river, and your canoe actually starts to move pretty fast. The current begins to take it. And suddenly, it's not such an issue to paddle anymore, but you begin to pick up speed. And oh, that's the lucky part. That's the exciting part. And you're going over little rapids and you're moving, and it's so wonderful. And you know what? God gives grace to the humble, God causes the canoes of the humble to move along faster. He gives grace. He empowers you. Won't you please say this after me? The humble are empowered by grace. Now say that to the person next to you. The humble are empowered by grace. Please stand with me as we close in prayer. Have you been blessed by the message today? I trust that you have. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Please don't leave at this point in time unless you're part of the hospitality team. This is a prayer which you may like to pray. Don't worry, it's a safe prayer. (laughs) And it's just a prayer of humility before the Lord. Let's close our eyes, and I'd like you to pray this if you're comfortable with doing so out loud after me. Pray this after me. Lord Lord Jesus, I desire and choose to clothe myself with humility help me in this i pray thank you that you release incredible grace in my life as i pursue humility i receive your grace today i open the sails of my boat And I say, let the wind of your grace blow and move me in whatever place you want to take me. I rejoice in the cross. I rejoice in the grace of God. And I thank you, Lord, for your goodness. In Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. And won't you say hallelujah. Amen. God bless you.